together from the Spacebird Media Studios. It's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to Unlimited with your host Roxanne and Ace. We're so glad to have you joining us on our podcast and many venues there and also on our YouTube channel. We welcome you if you've never been with us. We're simple folks who love mm-hmm. Jesus, who get along great. We're best friends, married folks. And we have a lot of fun in life. We were just talking off air, hi Ace, about our little things. And yours is fedoras. You were doing them long before they were popular. Mine was fake eyelashes. You know, I have a disease that's taken away my hair. So, but even before that was the case, I was wearing them. And now, wigs. And yes, I have not worn the same wig once. On our podcast, that is very true. It's you can thumb back through previous episodes, and and it's it's like playing Roxanne Bingo. Like like I got a bingo of all the wigs. Um, I will say, I, you say that as like I was wearing fedoras before they were cool. Like I have a photo. It actually ended up in my senior high yearbook of me at band camp. Yes, kids, I was in band. Uh, I was a drummer, so I'm I'm at band camp wearing my snare. I have on Tom Cruise Ray Bands with a fedora and a cutoff t-shirt that says monsters of rock. And it was Whoa. like, and it had a little Prince mustache and the mullet was just a flaming boy. It was, <laughs> those were some good times. So yeah. So the fedora has been on this head a long time. No, no doubt about that. You got a lot going on. What can you say? That's sometimes a good and a bad thing. We want to thank My Brother's Cup as well as Birmingham Mortgage for being a part of this week. I got to ask you, any big movies did you see over the weekend? I know we got Memorial Day coming up now, so three days to catch up on anything you haven't seen yet. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy, I know you said I got to rush out and see it. We haven't been yet. How is it? It's so good. It's so good. And it's right. It's right in that wheelhouse of like everything that Guardians has always been. So for those that have, you know, that are in that Marvel world, you'll love it. And if it's your introductory into Marvel, Guardians is a good little weird, but yet, you know, all the things that they do with the use of pop culture references and music and stuff, it just plays into that. But the new Fast and Furious with Jason Momoa, so good. Like everything about him is he, he, I mean, he can't do no wrong in my eyes, but I'm waiting for the day that he and Pedro Pascal like collide in a movie. And that'll be the perfect little Ace McKay world for me to live in. But uh, definitely ones to catch up on since we got the three day weekend to do so. I did stream all quiet on the Western front. Mm. Just don't be eating while you watch that movie. Oh mm. my word. And I have a real strong stomach. It yeah. is incredibly riveting, very moving, but it is visual. It's war, but yeah. it's war plus, plus, plus. I just, right. I'm, yeah, I could easily wake up in the middle of the night being a little traumatized, but <laughs> great movie. Big news this week, Timothy Keller, mm-hmm. the passing of the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian in New York City who didn't think he was a very good preacher, thought he was a horrible speaker. And yet Dr. Keller became a scholar 
you know, he admired C.S. Lewis so much. A scholar right up there with him was so many New York Times bestsellers. It was hard for me to pull down all my Keller books from the mm-hmm. shelves. He passed away at 72 after a three-year battle with pancreatic cancer. Now, in the book Preaching, it changes the way, well, I conduct speaking. I do a lot of speaking. Praise God that he's allowed me to do that. And Dr. Keller really feels like if if you don't mention the cross, mm. you've missed it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you're talking about in church if you don't bring up the cross. Yeah. Well, and he was such a huge voice for so long in, you know, so many subjects that he covers. I, 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 re- I didn't realize how many of his books I hadn't read until I went back to go back to some of my favorites and then see what was still available and in print. But just such a powerful voice, such a loss. I mean, it was a shock to hear it. Even though we knew he had been sick for a while, it's still one of those where you're like, ah, like you, you really— you're pulling for them, you know, because they have so much to give. And it's like, okay, God, you know, if it was his time, then let us go back and reread all the nuggets that he gave us while he was here. We talked to him, you and I, twice at length. Yeah. And he's not a jokester right before the interview. You know, usually we can kind of get people to loosen up a little bit. He was very yeah. serious, which made me even more nervous. But we were very prepared. And I think he was genuinely a bit surprised by the fact that we were really ready. And I mean, honed to yeah. do those interviews. But I so appreciate the time that we had with him. It was mm-hmm. amazing. Well, and I think that was the thing, too, is we talked to so many big authors to have had a moment with him. Like I had I went back and was trying to comb through all of our audio to see if I could find them and haven't been able to find them. But I know I have them somewhere. So maybe we can get them put together and post them as a bonus podcast for anyone that might have missed it. Uh, But uh, it's definitely a loss and praying for his family as they move forward. I know a top five interview request that you would love to see fulfilled is Matthew McConaughey coming to Birmingham to film a movie and Ace McKay, you must audition. Do you know what they're looking for? Three Mm. male musicians that play strings. Hello. And you can act. All right. Well, I don't know about the acting, but I can, I can act like a musician. (laughs) I did notice, I saw that he was coming South and was going to be in our broadcasting area uh, for a few months. So my thought was, you know, thinking like, I want to run into him like at a ball game or something, because that sounds like something he would do in his downtime and, you know, and, you know, try to fight the urge to all right, all right, all right, you know. (laughs) <laughs> Try to get that out of my system, but uh, what? How cool is that? Because you and I, when we did a photo shoot from previous show that we did, we had the opportunity to pass a movie shoot where Aaron Eckhart was Eric Eckhart was, or was on site. Like we saw him in the sh- in the shot, and then later he was at the local baseball game. He and the director, which got <laughs> to meet him, super cool guy. So you just never know, you know. I mean, Bruce Willis has been in Birmingham. John Travolta, we met him when he was in our neck of the woods. So, yeah, I would, after reading McConaughey's book, Greenlight, I totally would be all about just, like, let's get a coffee and hang out, just enjoy some time, some conversation. Well, one great way to meet him is rock climbing, because in previous times where he has shot movies 
in central Alabama, he would mm-hmm. go rock climbing. So rock climbers, you could look over right. and see Matthew. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> that would be awesome. And if you are going to take him for a cup of coffee, the My Brother's Cup blend <laughs> would be a great way to do that. Of course, with the Roxanne blend, you get all the, the pecans and the butterflies and all the things that go with it. And it's all for a great cause. Yes, it is. It spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. Mike Pittman, the owner, has passed away. His lovely wife, Kay, is at the helm, and it's had a big impact. That coffee sends doctors, missionaries, to places where they've never heard the name of Jesus. And people are saved in mass. I've seen the videos and the photographs. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing gift. MyBrothersCup.com and click on the Roxanne Blend. Unlimited with your friends, Roxanne and Ace continues. What a great joy the people God brings into our lives to talk about issues that are so relevant. And I know that you'll find that to be the case with our next guest. He serves as the Director of Resources for Reformed Youth Ministries. He served in student ministry for over 20 years, has written some pretty fabulous books, including his newest, which is so timely, considering the information from the Surgeon General that just came out warning people about the effects of social media on our youth. We are so excited to welcome to the show, Dr. John Parrott. Hi there. Hey, Roxanne. Hey, Ace. Uh, Thank you so much for, for having me. I'm honored to be on. So, John, I know that for many of us, social media, it's the necessary evil in a lot of our lives. But in that, how do we even begin to try to find peace when everyone is just throwing their every emotion, attitude and politic right on top of us? Hmm. Now, that yeah, that's a that's a great question. And, yeah, you know, as I think of people trying to, as you kind of said, it's a necessary evil. It's something that we have to use in some ways, even for various jobs where we're using it, schools are using it. And so how can we, you know, find peace? Um, and I think, you know, just a practice that I, I started a long time ago that seemed to be helpful for me and it's unique to to each individual. Um, but I would actually deactivate my social media accounts periodically throughout the year. Um, if it was just uh two, three times a year to where I just said, you know, I'm going to deactivate it and I'll open it back up, um, you know, and so just to kind of step away from it at times, sometimes we have to do something drastic like that. Sometimes it might not be um, deactivating accounts, but just leaving the phone in the house and walking out the front door and just going for a walk and being with our family, being with our friends. And so those are some ways to just maybe try to foster some of the peace is just to have, you know, a a technology fast, as some people have, have come to describe it. So that's kind of just a knee-jerk to, to that question. John, the new numbers that came out, a staggering 46% of teens aged 13 to 17 say social media makes them feel terrible about their body image. 14% say they get to the point where it makes them highly depressed. You know, as you studied this, I just, uh, you know... I'm older. I don't remember any of this. Yes, it was bullying in school, but I didn't have to look at social media and go, well, Kim Kardashian, I'm never going to look like that. I mean, the pressure on young people now. Mm-hmm. There was a question in this, but where? what do we do? <laughs> well, no, I, th- I think, yeah, your, your um, question there, just statement is, is uh, I mean, we all feel it. And, you know, as I think about, you know, I'm, I'm 42. And so, as I think about um, my years in junior high and high school, 
yes, the, the pressures were there and there were clicks and there were um, just peer pressure all around us. But at the same time, I got to go home and to get a break from those uh, those students, those classmates and students today just don't have 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 that break. Um, they're, they're carrying their classroom around with them all the time and they're inundated with, you know, hundreds to thousands of images every day. And many of those images are not even accurate. They're all airbrushed. And um, and so it's just feeding people with, uh, I mean, so much dissatisfaction about their body image, um, about not being as popular so-and-so. Um, as I heard CNN years ago on a documentary they put together, that social media is a scoreboard for popularity. Um, that we kind of knew growing up who was popular and who wasn't, but now there's something that's constantly being updated, reminding us of here's how popular I am. Here's how much popular this person is or, or whatever. So yeah, all that to say, I totally get, and many of us get what you're saying. Well, and I think the thing that we've tried to do, I know at our house with the kids is, you know, they, if they're on social media, they can own their, you know, it's privatized accounts where they only see the people they know in real life and have real relationships with. So it hopefully removes some of that pressure. But then like Roxanne was saying, you start following celebrities or people that they do look up to a, a Taylor Swift or, you know, a Kardashian or whoever, it does still put in their minds of, I got to look like that to get the boy or I got to look like this to get the girl and you know, all those extras, anything that you would say to parents as far as extra added moments of how to help our kids navigate social media? Yeah. Um, I, I think the clear status that we've talked about, you know, depression and anxiety have, have been on the rise and there's some debate on, okay, is that a clear correlation or a clear relationship with social media? But the one that seems to be just a clear stat that that you cannot debate is um, as screen time increases, depression and anxiety seem to go up. And so to me, just kind of the very practical, simple is to, to monitor the amount of screen time, that there needs to be some kind of limit. You know, I have five children, two teenagers in the house, um, for our oldest who does have social media. And I, and I always want to be clear to, to everyone as we're talking about this, that um, I do think Christians have the freedom to be on social media. I'm not saying all Christians need to be off social media, anything like that, that technology can be a good gift from the Lord. Um, but uh, trying to help my own child, uh, encourage them to, to not wake up with this. I think that's a good practice to not first thing in the morning to just grab the phone and look at it or to check the notification. So to kind of wake up slowly, um, if it's time in the word, that would be great. Um, but just not wake up with it. And then also kind of, and, and really I've heard this from Andy Crouch to kind of book in the days without devices to, you know, put the device to bed before we go to bed. Um, and so I think those kind of bookends to uh, kind of limiting the screen time as well as just throughout the day to be a little more disciplined with it. I think that that can be helpful. And, you know, as our children are younger to really encourage that. And then as they get older, give them more freedoms with some of that. But um, limiting screen time seems to be something that can really assist with that. We continue our discussion with John Parrott, the author of a fantastic new book you need to pick up called Social Media Pressure, Finding Peace Alongside Jesus. In the culture wars where they seem to just want to stamp out any person of faith, where it seems like if, if I have a Christian perspective, I must be a fundamentalist 
hateful, unaccepting, mean person. Okay. I'm, I'm just, that's just the way I feel right now is if I say I'm a Christian, there's a negativity in today's culture attached to it. So what your book is suggesting is that Jesus is the answer. How, how do we convince the world that we do have the answer and it is Jesus Christ? Hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I mean, you know, the reality as we're, you know, try to connect this in the book for, for students is that so much of what they're longing for through social media is ultimately Jesus. And they don't necessarily know it. They think that they can gain that through popularity, through more likes, through the right comments of whatever picture that they're posting, that that's going to be what satisfies them. And you know, with every post that they're making and every interaction that they're making, they're ultimately longing for Jesus and they just don't know that. And we as adults need to help kind of connect those dots for them to see that. And I think to a larger degree, that's the answer to connecting that to the world. And so some of this does require us to be, I mean, as Christ says, to be in the world and not of the world. And so how can we, you know, through various social media platforms, through other avenues, uh, let people know that ultimately what they're longing for and their greatest heart's desire is for Jesus. Well, and I'm a firm believer too. And John, I'd love your input on this of if we say it with everyone spouting their words, if we're busy, always trying to either talk over someone or if we're telling every emotion and every post and everything that's happening all day long, then eventually people will either unfollow, unfriend, or don't pay attention to anything you say. So then where is the weight in our words? So, you know, the, the whole less is more mindset. Speaking to that about, you know, making sure that what you say counts. Hmm. That, that's a that's a good comment for sure. And it's humbling to think about, uh, you know, in Matthew, uh, us being told that we will give an account for every single word that we say. And, you know, I think that applies to every single word that we tweet and post and all of that. And so I, I think maybe just, you know, as um, I think we need to, I mean, as Christians, as adults, for sure, we need to know this, but then passing this on to the next generation that, we don't have to react to everything that happens, that we don't have to comment on everything that's out there and trying to foster some discernment with that. Sometimes I think a helpful practice for us, I mean, what I've tried to encourage students to do before is to remove the screen from the equation, um, that sometimes what we do so often, it just seems normal, but if we remove the screen, uh, would we make that comment? Would we say that to that person? And so sometimes I think that could be a health, healthy practice for a teenager or for an adult just before they tweet it, before they post. Okay, if I remove the screen from this scenario, would I be saying this to this person or would I be doing this? And maybe that will cause us to be a little more cautious in, in what we post sometimes. That is incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. I, I think that is so true because we've got internet trolls that want to get on there and just spew such ugliness. And I, I do believe if they knew that the person was right there next to them, they'd never say it. Mm -hmm. You know, I, somebody wrote to the radio station I was working for and said, does that DJ, are those pants she's wearing or are there pantyhose? And I, I became, <laughs> and now it wouldn't bother me at all because I'm just, 
I've kind of right. moved on. <laughs> but but it was so painful. And then I, everything I wore, I thought, are mm. they watching me? Am I open to scrutiny? I do not believe to this day that that person would have said that to my face. Yeah, I, I agree. And see, I mean, that example right there is just you, you think of the multiplying that through social media for our students. I mean, they're walking around with this paranoia all the time. And then really among Gen Zers and, and younger, they are posting less because they're terrified of what's going to happen if they you know, don't notice something about the picture that they're going to post that everyone will see and then mock. And like you said, trolls and everyone that's out there. I mean, we, we've seen plenty of stories of people's reputations destroyed, of people being bullied because they said something and then it was turned into some kind of meme and all of that. And so, yeah, there's this just paranoia um that yeah as you're you're exactly right if they were in the same physical presence as those people they probably wouldn't be saying it yeah. john i'm curious with you know you kind of helping with youth ministries as this resource is available and obviously it's been in your head and heart for much longer than that as you've shared it with the next generation do you feel like it's latching on like are you seeing any success stories in that yeah, I appreciate you asking. It's still a little early um, because I think technically it came out last week. Um, but from some of the adults that I have heard from who had some kind of early access, that the consistent feedback I would hear is, you know, this is written for teenagers, but adults need, need this as well. And mm -hmm. so um, I'm hoping that, you know, it's designed for an adult to read alongside a student. Um, or in a, you know, a mentor in some way, this could be a youth worker, this could be a coach, a teacher, somebody in their life to just come alongside and, and read this with them. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, it, it is, I mean, as you said uh, from the outset, uh, Roxanne, that it, it seems to be a little relevant right now with some of the broader issues going on in our culture. And just, um, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of an attention and concern right now with social media. And so I hope yeah, Christians specifically will will pick this up to to see um, how can we be thinking about this in a biblical way. Yep, the book is called Social Media Pressure. You can pick it up Amazon anywhere you buy books. And uh, John, we appreciate your wisdoms, man. And uh, when things get a little chaotic, we're going to lean on you as our expert to help us break <laughs> it all down. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I I really appreciate the conversation, Ace and Roxanne. I appreciate you guys making time and just appreciate you kind of raising these issues for your listeners. Thank you. It's top of mind right now in society. Could could not be more important. And John Parrott, thank you for a lifetime of ministry that helps others. I think this book is going to save somebody's life. Hmm. I, I really do believe that you won't know till heaven hmm. the impact, but it's that serious. I mean, I think there are a lot of kids waking up and like you say, going to sleep worried about what is being said about them on social hmm. media. And it's mm -hmm. terrifying. And mm -hmm. so I'm so happy. Jesus is the answer. And this points them right to the only one who can make things right, who can fill yeah. us. And so mm -hmm. we so appreciate your time. All right. Well, thank you so much. This story has been buried and it eats away at me. And we're going to talk about it. In southeastern Kenya, a horrendous thing has happened. <sighs> In the name of our Lord. 
An African taxi driver turned pastor named Paul McKenzie started a little church. It was a normal little church. And he loved to preach about end times. And as time went on, he got more and more persuasive and had people move to a forest in Kenya in mass. And so far, 178 bodies have been dug up on that property mm. from people he allegedly convinced to starve themselves to death, to crucify themselves. Yeah. Because of the end times, to see Jesus, to be wiped of their sins, which is so right. diabolical. And this guy, of course, there's a lot I want to say about this, but you notice he's alive and they're dead. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, leaders are supposed to lead, right? Not just instruct. But I, I couldn't help. I've watched too many of those you know, mini series on like the cults and stuff of the big ones that we've all heard of and seen in the news, but then to know all the intricacies of it. I've actually got a friend who grew up in a cult that there's a new documentary coming out and I've heard horror stories from him. And he's like, yeah, so far what I've seen, it's going to tell everything that happened. And this just falls in line of that. This is where it's important when you say, well, should I read the Bible? Should I, you know, how, how do I and why should I? Well, know the truth so you can know the difference between those that are deviating from it for their own benefit and profits so that your own soul and body and family is not persecuted in some way, this side of heaven or otherwise, because it's easy to buy into things and to lies if you don't know where you stand. You know, what does that say? If you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. I mean, it's just, it's one of those where it hurts my heart to think about the number of people that have been affected by this guy. Well, then hundreds are still missing. And here's what he allegedly said. Let's put the children out in the sunshine and boil them while they starve and they'll be the first mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. And a man literally wrote to his sister and said, help us. We're dying. We've gotten mm -hmm. into something. We don't know how to get out and hurry because we're going to be dead. I mean, it is so evil, this 800-acre property, a wasteland of scrub and spindly trees. And once the locals got a hold of it because the head of Kenya is an evangelical Christian who wants to keep a free practice of, religious, of religion going, put in place. Well, when they got word and they went to try to help people, there was a woman starving and they tried to feed her and she said, no, I'm... I'm I'm going to see Jesus move on, basically. Mm. Yeah. I mean, stunning and sickening. And yes, he is in jail. They put him in. They let him out. They put him back in. And I'm sure he's getting th three meals on a cot. Right. Well, and there's a lot of weird stuff that's been going on this week that doesn't make sense. I don't know if you saw the story about the smuggling of fruit roll-ups into Israel. Like, what is that all about? I'm not even fully... <laughs> Like, well, I can't even quite connect the dots. Like, I, I like, like good for okay, roll-up, but come on. Okay, of all places, Israel. Now, they're not smuggling. Well, I guess they still may be trying to smuggle drugs into there. But a TikTok influencer who is Israeli got out the fruit roll-up, put it around ice cream. It froze and it got crunchy. And she mm -hmm. loved it so much, everybody started trying it. And then the demand was driving up the cost. So Americans have been sneaking fruit roll-ups into the country 
because they know they can make great money. The right. world has gone mad. I mean, I will say I have I, I have seen that trend, but I have not done it yet. But I've, I've heard people swear by it. It tastes really good. I The one that I followed that I don't think anyone else did, but it was right in my wheelhouse, was anything that's air fryer related. So I found that taking, you know how you can get that imitation pulled crab that you can get at like the seafood section of your grocery store? Yeah. Taking that and pulling it into little strips, put a little oil in your air fryer, like 20 minutes on 400, or I think it's like 10 minutes on 400. Don't do 20. Don't don't burn your house down. But it <laughs> it makes it into like little crunchy, almost like potato chip kind of feel, but it tastes like crab. And I tried it and I really liked it. It's like, all right. But then I get weird looks in my house every time I go to put, you know, pulled crab into the air fryer. <laughs> So the TikTok bunny trail of recipe ideas, you could go down those all day. Craziness. Absolutely crazy. All right. This is your wheelhouse, Ace, leaving for your summer missions trip. I know a lot of people like Memorial Day travel is up 17%. People are yeah. kind of over, over COVID age and want to get out. And one of the things they're doing in mass is going on missions trips. Only there are some guidelines about it. I have never been on an out-of-the-country missions trip. You have, but a couple of tips, and we'll see if you agree. A huge part of your job is to encourage those who are doing this for their whole lives. In other words, you get there, and you're having a weak experience. And if you don't like right. something, you're going to be vocal with the hosts. Yeah. They say don't do that. Take into consideration that this is their life. Yeah. Well, and so much of the mission trip, because I know I was there on my very first one to Ecuador many moons ago, but you get into a frame of heart and mind, which nothing wrong with this, of that I'm going over there to help people. Well, no, actually, you're going over there to serve, and you'll be amazed at how much they end up helping you, because you get over there, you don't know the customs, you don't maybe know the language, so you have a translator and interpreter, or you get over there thinking the work is one thing, but it's something totally different. And either, like you said, you get into a complaining mood or if, you know, you're dehydrated or a lack of sleep because you're sleeping on a, you know, folded sleeping bag or something, you can get a little cranky. So you got to, you have to go over there with the most selfless attitude and perspective that it makes the experience mind blowing because what's going to happen is you're going to be really disappointed if you think it's just, you know, Snapchat and TikTokable. Because it's not about that. you got to go and see what God wants to do in you while you're there. And people who have gone have always come back and told me, people that have nothing worship the Lord with a clarity and a strength like I've never experienced, and they're so happy like we never have. And a girlfriend of mine went to Africa, came home, sold her giant house and mm -hmm. her expensive car, and went to live there because yeah. she said, I feel Jesus in the eyes of little children who are hungry, but who are so happy and grateful for everything that they have. Yeah. Well, and also, too, after you go on the trip, come back and know that there are two types of people you will meet. People, they will ask you, how was your missions trip? And there's the people that just want you to go, great, great. And that's it. But then there are those who do want to hear the details and you need to be able to decide who is who is who because if you start trying to gush 
your story because you're going to come back, you know, you're going to have camp blues and you're going to have all these great stories to tell of how God moved and where you saw, you know, great relationships that with people you never met before. But if you come back ready to vomit all of that onto someone who just wants you to go great, then (laughs) they're going to act so disinterested. You're going to feel crushed because they don't want to hear that. Well, they just fell into the category in that wasn't ready for the whole story. So maybe it's a situation where your church lets you share with, you know, the masses. So you kind of just tell it once or twice, and then eventually God will bring the people you can tell it to, but just don't be disappointed when just people go, Oh, so glad you're back. You know, because not everybody, <laughs> not everybody wants to hear the story. <laughs> so just sick. looking out for you. <laughs> Rare characteristics that make a marriage worth having. Your partner brings out the best in you. Mm. I will say you and I, we've we've done it wrong before. Don't get us wrong. We're not here to say we are the experts. We have only speaking from wisdom of the times <laughs> when we did it wrong. So now we're trying to do it better this go around. And it it is one of those where, you know, I, I told Tony, I said, the worst part about being married to my best friend is who do I complain to you about? <laughs> you know, if if we did have a moment where I needed to decompress, like, I man, you're not going to believe what my wife said to me today. Like, I can't say that to you because you are my wife. And so we get a good laugh out of that. But it really is, what are they doing to make you better? Because, our, our, I mean, we're there to serve our spouse, Correct. Absolutely. I believe it strongly. You cultivate and express a mutual respect. Mm. You know, Wayne is just a person of incredible quality and character. And knowing he's at the helm of our life and our family, I take great comfort in that. To say that I respect him isn't, you know, he's got a doctor and he's brilliant, but he doesn't care if anyone ever calls him doctor and it doesn't matter to him. At all. As a matter of fact, he says, oh, that's no big deal. You could do it easily. You could go. And I'm thinking, no, I don't think so. (laughs) But thank you that you're humble. So I I think respecting your partner, I mean, with you gushing about, there was a post you did about Tawny. I pay attention to everybody's posts. (laughs) And you were like, she's a singer, an actress, a director, an artist. She's beautiful. She's a great mom and sister and wife. And it was gushing. And I know you mean it. Yeah. It amazes me the number of things that she can juggle and she does them all well, you know. And so I want her to know that I see that, that I recognize that. So you always want to do that. The other big thing, too, that is for those healthy relationships is how much are you laughing? Like one of my favorite things about Tawny is if I can make her laugh in the dark right before bed, like when we're getting like (laughs) turning the light out, we've said goodnight to the kids and all that. And if converse that those, you know, that little bit of conversation you have right before you drift off, like when she just full on belly laughs or makes <laughs> me laugh that big, like that's something that is like, that is a term of communication and a love language that I think really is underappreciated. Like you make each other laugh in the early days, but don't ever stop that. I think it's super important. Don't ever stop seeking great advice from somebody who truly knows what they're doing and loves the Lord and puts the Lord number one. And that is our friend Turen Newell, Birmingham Mortgage Group. Turen, he's done mortgages for us and for a lot of our friends, mm-hmm. and they stay friends. And they call Turen and just talk to him because yeah. he's that wonderful. 
and he prays with people and he cancels people. And sometimes people's credit isn't where it needs to be to get in a home. He works with you to get you to the point. He doesn't just go, uh, I can't make money off of them today. He works with you to get you to that healthy point where you can make a purchase that really benefits you and your family. Yeah. And really it's his opportunity to get to know you on a kingdom level too, because his heart is all about sharing about how God has worked in his own life, which has only been a blessing for his business, his marriage. You know, he's got kids and grandkids and all these things happening. It's it's over the top how big this man's heart is. So if you really want to know that you're in good hands going through one of the most scariest purchases you'll ever make, which is getting a home, is making sure that you talk to Turin and he's ready to help you out. If you want to call today, 205-259-1656, 205-259-1656, or go to behammortgage.com. Tell him you heard about it on Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Well, you and I are pretty savvy when it comes to social media. A lot of people got upset with Twitter because of its policies because Elon Musk has gotten on board. You know, Ron DeSantis is making his big announcement on Twitter of all places that he's running for president. A lot of people said, eh, I'm not into this anymore. I'm going to go to blue, blue sky or blue ski. Let me just tell you something. You have to have an invite in order to get on it. So you know what? No, forget mm-hmm. it. I, if I'm not popular, <laughs> I don't right? whatever. Um, am I just tired or what? I, social media is too much <laughs> it, that there are too many social media platforms. I can't do them all. Like I just, <laughs> I, I, there were some that I had for a while that I dabbled and then it's like, I just can't like Twitter's one of those for, for just while we're mentioning Twitter, I just, that there's, it's too many words, too many emotions, all the things running high. E- even like if you try to watch it during, I was trying to keep up with, uh, during the NBA finals and like all the LeBron haters and all the, you know, Stephen Curry haters, like, it's like, stop with the hating, you know, it, it just cause they're not on your team. Just be quiet. <laughs> it's like, let's just cheer on our team. Right. <laughs> let's find the Let's like find the fans, but it's that way about anything. Like everybody's so hyped up and jacked up and, you know, super sensitive. So I, I don't know. I just, I can't do one more platform. So please met the madness. Stop. So let's talk about a dude you and I both like a whole bunch, Sylvester Stallone. Mm-hmm. The Rocky actor is going to do a show, a series about he, his wife, and, and they are going to have their rough patch where she went and filed, and then they got together for a month yeah. and discussed their problems, worked it out, and then didn't file for divorce after I think it was 25 years. He has three, I mean, his daughters are gorgeous. Sophia's 26, Sistine is 24, and Scarlett's 20. And they're going to do a show on Paramount Plus. I'm going to have to get Paramount Plus back called The Family Stallone. Yeah. And Ace, this is so funny. They're going to discuss how terrible he is when the <laughs> girls bring a date over. He's terrible. He I mean, would you want to be a guy a- that's dating Sly's daughter? I mean, <laughs> he's going to greet you. Ooh. I mean, that just that, I mean, his presence <laughs> alone is enough, but I'll tell you the thing that's kind of funny. I've seen enough of the clips cause I don't like reality TV. So I just, I can't, I love him, put him in something that he's acting. I'm all in it. But the, his brother, who's a musician, who's done a couple of small things with him over the years, but all of the memorabilia, anything that Sly has gotten rid of, 
that he doesn't want his house anymore, but it's been a part of his career. His brother has a basement full of all this Stallone stuff. And he's got like full life-size mannequins of him <laughs> as Rocky and like all these things. And his daughters, I saw the clip, they go into his, their uncle's basement and they're like, this is the creepiest thing I have ever seen. <laughs> like that mannequin's going to kill you in your sleep, you know, but well, it's you're just the one that turned me on to, is it called the last tango? We watched all of it and we're sad when it went his last show where he oh, was the doing... Tulsa King. Yeah. Tulsa, Tulsa King. King. Where did I get yes. last tango? Yeah. Not the most Christian appropriate show. So don't, no, think that we're endorsing that side of it. At us but about he, it, yes. he is a former, you know, mafia guy, you know, that's now on the outs trying to make a name for himself after like 30 years in prison. So it's pretty dark, but he's great in it. And I will say, like I said, there's not anything that he can't do, in my opinion, but, you know, he still is fit and, you know, bring it. And and my favorite speech to this day is from the Rocky Balboa movie, which was not really the greatest of the Rocky movies. But that whole thing about, you know, life can beat you down, but it's not a, about how hard you can get hit, but how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward like that. That's what we have faith for. Right. We do that. And I mean, and Sly has been very open about his own faith and journey with God, which I love. So, you know, maybe there's elements of that that will come out in the reality show that we can celebrate with him. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be, be great. So much fun. Have a great three-day weekend, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back next Friday. And in the meantime, remember to uh, follow, like, and subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. Have a great weekend, Roxanne. I love you. Love you, friend. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.